0: Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. You probably heard me on Talk Healthy today. Well, now we've got Talk Fitness today. We want to get fit. We want to get pumped. We want to get strong. We want to feel good. We want our bodies to work well. We want to look good. There's so many great things about fitness, and we're going to be covering them all. As a matter of fact, we have a fantastic show today. We've got Lee Boyce. He's a strength coach, professional writer, and speaker based in Toronto, Ontario. His work has been featured in many of the largest magazines in the world, and he regularly appears in TV and radio to Talk Fitness so psyched he's here hello Lee welcome to talk fitness today hi thank you it's great to have you on. All right, so let's talk about gender differences in strength training because I've heard from women, and I bet you've heard this too, oh, I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get really bulky. Well, let me tell you, I'm 5'10", and I'm I'm pretty lean, and I lift weights, and I'm not bulky, so that's it. I guess that's the end of the show, right? now. I'm just joking. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about this. What have you heard from women, and, and what do we need to keep in mind when we're talking about gender differences in strength training?
1: Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff um, that – You know, like sort of social stigma kind of like reinforces these ideas of thinking without really looking into it a little bit further. So it's good to actually get in touch with some kind of experts or expert sources where you can learn the truth about it. And the truth is that, um, yes, what I do hear is that there's a lot of uh, women who do often say to me as a trainer and so on, you know, I don't want to get too big. I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to lift heavier weights or anything like that. And uh, it's usually an, an area that causes a little bit of fear and trepidation for people so that they, uh, they gravitate towards cardio and they gravitate towards really, really light weights if they touch weights at all. So it is something that definitely needs to be addressed. And the truth of the matter is, even though there are some differences training-wise between uh, weightlifting men and weightlifting women, at its very core, there's nothing to be afraid of and there's no reason why the two can't train pretty much the same from the general standpoint.
0: Oh, that is good to know. You know, one of the things that I love to do is Pilates and I do an intermediate Pilates and you know, so you can actually put more resistance. So when we're talking about strength training, it's not necessarily weights. It can be, I'm asking you like Pilates or body weight exercises or even yoga that can be very intense or those resistant bands. Do you count that as well as strength training?
1: Well, you see, um, the strength training in the sense of it being training with resistance and making muscles work against resistance, yes, all the things that you yes. listed there definitely do fall under that category. Um, when it comes to training strength in the absolute sense, meaning we're actually making increases in our top-end strength and our real contractile force and so on, it's going to get kind of difficult to go away from just traditional um, barbell and uh, dumbbell, just traditional weight training methods just because of the fact that when we want to get the intensity, meaning the weight lifted up to a certain point, we're going to have to use stuff that's heavy enough. And a lot of times sure. resistance bands or pulleys might not cut it. Body weight might not cut it either. So um, it does limit your options in terms of just how um, far you can take it and and really train that and hone in on your top-end strength. But resistance training, it's funny that you say that because it does take on several different forms, and all of a sudden lifting 20 pounds in the form of a dumbbell can take on a different uh, mental approach, or uh, uh, it could apply itself differently mentally in the mind of a a woman versus lifting 20 pounds equivalent in resistance with a band. right? So it, it is very, very interesting.
0: Now it might, so for example, if a woman like me who's been doing something that is resistance training and wants to go to weights, it might not be as far as a leap because you just gave that great example. And so maybe that will help with the resistance. But what about women who really aren't active at all and they want to start a weight training program using free weights? What's the best way to go about that?
1: So I would say that the best way to go about it is to start in the most general sense rather than going too specific or getting too advanced with your programming. A lot of times um, there's a lot of experts who will um, give out information or write books or whatever on uh, topics of weight training. And all the information is very credible and very good, but it might cater to an audience that is outside of uh, your particular um, realm of capability at this time. Um, the the real order of the day for a lot of beginners has to be on developing foundation-based strength or really foundational, in, uh, just a beginning level strength, which means that you might want to focus on, Very simplistic lifts to do that, like working with perfecting your squat pattern and your hinge pattern, which would be like the deadlift, and your overhead press. And just getting the basic um, fundamental primal movement patterns and getting those ingrained and just set in stone so that you can then start making progressions from there. Starting light is also a good idea, too. Don't want to overdo it before you just get the form right.
0: Now, I ask this for women. It sounds like it's the same answer for men.
1: It is is 100% the same. And what I said at the outset is the fact that at its core, we can really train exactly the same way, women and men. So there's nothing to be afraid of at all. And uh, the same protocol with all my clients, I use exactly the same protocol. And I start making uh, modifications based on the individual.
0: Now, what about machines versus free weights? So again, it's
1: sort of, it's, it's tailored towards two things. First of all, the intermediacy of the client. And second of all, what the client's particular goals are, and those are the two things that I examine before I sort of prescribe machines versus, or like, a highly isolated machine versus something like a compound movement that I listed a little bit earlier earlier on. Um, it's uh, if you're, if your goals are a little bit more cosmetic and you have aesthetic-based goals where you want to maybe develop a certain area of your body a little bit more than that other area of the body, it might benefit for you to use an isolation machine, like, for example, a prone hamstring curl machine or uh, a pec deck fly machine or something like that, where it really zeroes in on the muscle in question. Um, In the general sense, though, those isolated machines might have a little bit of disadvantage to them, too. For example, the fact that using vital stabilizing muscles might be out of the picture for that because they're coming along for the ride since you're on a track now Um, versus using a versus using free weights where you're in the situation where you do have to use your stabilizers. You're doing compound exercises that involve multiple joints. And all of that as a byproduct will mean uh, it will mean that the byproduct will be you're burning a little bit more calories and you're increasing your metabolic demand and you might be shedding more body fat or potentiating more shed body fat. So all of those things, for a lot of people, that might be the general goal is to get in better conditioning, better shape in the sense of dropping body fat, losing weight, and so on. And in that case, you know, it might be a better idea for you to go for the, the compound movements than dropping out of the machines or not having too many of them implemented into your program. Um, it's also just a very good training tool in general, just from the learning st- standpoint, to know the compound lifts pretty well and be able to stabilize a lot of your own um, movements that are involving multiple joints before you go into the isolation style training. So there's a pro and con for both methods. I don't sort of uh, deny or, or not advocate one um, each has it's very situation-based.
0: All right. That makes sense. Because what I'm thinking is if you're doing just the machines and you're probably going to end up, like let's say you want really big biceps, so what's going to happen to your triceps? You're going to be out of balance. And I think that's what you're getting at, right, with the compound exercises. If you can break that down a little bit more for people who aren't sure what that exactly means
1: yeah, um so first of all, let's say your point of uh, getting out of balance. So there's a lot more thinking you have to do with the uh, isolation machines if you do want to find and promote that balance just based on the size of the muscles and so on, if you want to do uh, you know a two to one ratio between a, a back machine exercise versus a chest machine exercise and so on. So you do have to think about a little bit more when you're isolating like that. Um, on the subject of compound movements, once again, it's um, it's multiple joints that are active at the same time. So um, an exercise like a squat is a good example of a compound movement because, you know, you have movement at the knee, movement at the hip, you have the bar on your back or on your shoulders. Like these are, this is an exercise that involves many, many muscles at the same time. And therefore it falls under that category of compound compared to the biceps example you said before, like a bicep curl or a preacher curl. um, That's one joint that's active and it's just moving in a hinge pattern. So you're only going to hit one muscle or, or one or two muscles at most. So, um, yes, there's a big difference between the compound and uh, the isolation, the single joint isolation exercises, and it's something that's worth knowing about.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I would recommend that people work with a trainer or, do, you know, should they hire a personal trainer or can they work with the trainer with, that works for the gym? What do you recommend for someone, especially if they're nervous, they're new, and they're concerned about injury prevention and about staying balanced or getting yeah,
1: balanced? Um, 100% working with a professional, working with a trainer. I'd always advocate that before anything else. Um, it, there's obviously going to be a few things to look out for in terms of um, what the capabilities of the trainer are because of the fact that, you know, just like any industry, there's going to be people who are stronger and people who are weaker from a from a skill level perspective. You know, and uh, there's going to be some professionals who are a little bit better or more experienced or just more adept at their job, and there's going to be people who aren't. So taking the time to sit back, maybe even doing a little bit of uh, research into uh, like just what basic training should be like and so on, it's going to be a good way for you to gauge who's a stronger trainer and who's not. What are their professionalism levels like on the gym floor when you see them and when you observe them? How are they cueing you? Um, are they very hands-on? Are they very descriptive with the things that they have to say to to help you understand about your body and about the exercise and the movements? These are things to ask yourself when you're looking at uh, hiring a trainer. Um, but I will always recommend working with a professional if you do not know what you're doing in the gym because it's only going to help you, A, stay safe, and B, reach your goals much more attainably and sustainably.
0: You know, I'd love to know from you, you know, what was a turning point for you to take your health and your fitness to the next level? And then what encouraged you to help others?
1: Um, you know, it's uh, it goes back a long way, to be honest to you. I was always a kid who was um, into sports, and I played a lot of sports when I was in school. And in high school, I played on a bunch of different sports teams as well. Um, when I found out that kinesiology was a high school course, I could actually try out in my senior year. Like I thought, hey, this is, what i like to do plus it's an academic course it's like phys ed but in class that's really cool and so i took the course and um, i liked it so much that i took it another time after i did really well on it the first time i liked it again and so um with that said i followed that into university and i ran track in university as well and it just sort of went hand in hand with one another and it was coming to the junction that's uh, this point in time where i was like okay like if i want to start working like what do i want to do do i want to work with People in a clinical setting maybe try to become a physio or a chiro and follow that path. And I thought to myself and I said, you know what, in light of the fact that I've dealt with injuries myself and I know what that feels like, I'd rather work with people to be healthy and stay healthy and not work with injured people. So if I can prevent it before it happens, even better. You know and so it was sort of the choice between working with injured people and working with healthy people and trying to keep them out of the injury zone and that's why I sort of chose the direction that I went in terms of being a trainer and coaching athletes uh, coaching clients and athletes to uh, to just get stronger and be be fit and be healthy.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny because I was gonna I was thinking of going into physical therapy or occupational therapy and then I ended up getting my master's in public health and I think I also wanted to work with prevention. Let's teach people how to be healthy. Let's do things that are going to help them before the issue happens. So I think that makes so much sense. Now, is there somebody that you really admire in the health and fitness industry that also kind of went, you know what? I really look up to this person and I want to do the type of work that they're doing, or is it just something within yourself
1: or both? I, I look up to a whole lot of people in the industry, to be honest with you, especially being a writer in the industry. Um, all the people who I read from first to be like anywhere near the same platforms that they're on. And just to be in that arena is, uh, It's quite the honor, and so um, I could list you dozens of people that uh, I've learned from uh, getting my start in the first five years, especially of me uh, developing as a trainer. So, like um, people like Mike Robertson or Chad Waterbury, Charles Poliquin had a lot of good information as well. Mark Ripto, I can I can literally list like a couple dozen people right off the top of the head that were extremely influential, even some many of whom I haven't even met before, um, in order to. Uh, really, really up my training game from the things that I read and things that I took to the gym and apply not only with my own training, but with training my clients, too. So um, it really helps. And um, likewise, it helped me as a writer as well in terms of just their, their, tip, their actual technical skill of writing and how they got their points across and how comprehensive their articles and their books were.
0: Now, what are some of your favorite ways to train?
1: Um, I've gone through a few different methods, but... Um, I guess I'd have to say just general hypertrophy, like the old school bodybuilding style is probably my favorite Mm. way to train for a couple of reasons. You know, I'm a stickler for strength. I really like training the heavy three rep max kind of category as well. I really like that a lot. But the thing is, is that it's just stressful on your nervous system and it's stressful on the body. There's nothing that anyone can do to get away from that one aspect of it. And so for that reason, if if you're not 100% on point in other aspects of your life, like sleep and um, nutrition and so on, you can really, you can get hurt, you can get injured. All of a sudden you tweak a muscle or something in your spine doesn't feel too right and all of a sudden it's really putting you off. Right, so um, the hypertrophy training where you're sort of in that eight rep range to maybe 12 reps or eight reps to 15 reps or you're doing supersets or compound sets and different ways to extend your sets or manipulate your repetitions to make them really burn. These These are methods that you're using less weight And so the the load that you're dealing with, even though you're doing more repetitions with it, the load that you're dealing with is something that your body can handle a little bit better. And it also has a doubling effect of the fact that you're really kicking into your conditioning as well. You know, doing a set of uh, two, then three, then five, and then 10 squats, as a giant set of 20 with these little breaks in between, you're going to be breathing heavy for the rest of the day after you do stuff like that compared to doing heavy sets of two or three repetitions. So... At the end of the day, you know, you're, you're going to get a little bit more in terms of just general health, I'd say, training for more of a hypertrophy method of training or training for um, a little bit more of a bodybuilding style. And I use the term loosely, but um, using a bodybuilding style of training because it will attack your conditioning a lot more effectively.
0: Oh, that's great. Now, what would you say is the most important thing you do every day for optimum health?
1: Hmm. I would say probably focus on a little bit of mobility work. You know, I'm not—I'm definitely not the walking, talking example of being the healthiest person in terms of like diet or the healthiest person in terms of making sure that I get every workout in every single day scheduled. I'm—I'm I'm not a great example of that at all, to be honest with you. Um, whether it's a setback or whether it's negligence or just being busy or whether it's just you know having cravings or whatever it is. Um, So no, I'm not the best example of it. But one thing that I do try to do is a little bit of mobility work daily, even if that means just doing some body weight, deep squatting and doing some thoracic mobility stuff, um, maybe even a little bit of foam rolling to to take a look at your tissue quality and so on. These are things that will just help keep your mobility and keep your joints doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm a pretty big guy. So with a lot of muscle mass on your body, it's easy to start getting tight and start losing range of motion, especially if you're really promoting exactly that when you're in the gym training heavy or lifting for bodybuilding stuff to build more muscle. So at the end of the day, that mobility work and making sure that your shoulders and your hips have that full range and that your muscles are have that elasticity, it's uh, really, really important, especially as people get older and older.
0: Now, do you take daily supplements and vitamins and do you have any that are like your go-to?
1: I'm not a supplement guy, to be honest with you. I'm not. I have a lot of friends who are really, really big into it. Um, I'm just partial. Part of the reason is just because of lack of discipline in that department. I'm not going to lie. But um, another, mm-hmm. uh, another thing about it is the fact that, um, you know, there's a lot of um, conflicting views on supplements and the use of many of them. Um, I think that a couple are probably pretty good, like uh, using fish oils, for example, and your omegas and so on. Um, but generally, I just try when I'm good to try to eat good balanced meals, get your macronutrients in on point, um, You know, have adequate amounts of protein, uh, limit the amounts of starchy carbohydrates and so on, and just really get your green vegetables in and so on. These are all good ideas, just starting from a basic level like that, because I think that a lot of people complicate things uh, prematurely. You know, Just like how we were talking about with the weight training and how people might skip ahead two steps and get a, a program that's more advanced than their actual level of capabilities, people go that way with the, with the food as well. And oftentimes, whereas they could just make a simple tweak to their diet or focus on eating, you know, in a timely fashion, eating whole foods and eating proper food groups and so on, and how that's going to enhance their training, all of a sudden people are gravitating towards a lot of supplements and a lot of externals, and it it might not be uh, the best way to bridge the gap.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I think it's so important to focus on the whole foods. And if people like to supplement and take vitamins, I think that's great as well. But I think you have to make the food the yep. real deal. Right. And it's got to be whole food. It's got to be real food, not not fake yeah. food. Now, what what's in your gym bag? Anything interesting in there?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. So in my gym oh. <laughs> bag, let's see. <laughs> I have a couple of bands. I have a uh, I have a couple of ab wheels as well. Um, it's pretty cool. I have, uh, you know, the you know, the classic ab wheel where you hold on to the double handle and it's one wheel. So, I have yeah. one where it's uh, two individual wheels and they're on pivot. They're oh. on sort of like a uh, bearings. So, you can actually move your hands outwards or towards each other and so on. It's pretty good. Um, so, I have that. Oh, that's I have cool. uh, got a pair of boxing gloves for a lot of conditioning stuff that I've been doing over the course of the spring and over the winter, doing a little bit of boxing. Um, I have TRX in my gym bag as well. So, I can I do a love little bit TRX. of uh, yeah, some, some suspension training. Got a pair of Olympic lifting shoes as well, so that I have a pair of shoes to change into if I wanted to squat or do the Olympic lift. So it's a good good little purchase there. And um, other than that, I have a lacrosse ball, just for some self-myofascial release and some tissue release. And I have a little bit of a larger lacrosse ball for areas of uh, bigger surface area. And my foam roller is there as well, which usually doesn't fit because of all the other stuff. Okay.
0: How huge is this bag? I'm thinking you don't yeah. even need to lift weights. You can just like do curls yeah. with this bag.
1: Oh, <laughs> the, the bag! Is, can you can fit it in your car. A, it's deceiving <laughs> because it's like a, it's a medium-sized to small-sized bag, but it seems bottomless with all the stuff that I can throw in there.
0: You know, it makes me think of the cat in the hat knows a lot about that on PBS kids. And yes, my daughter's 12. But we used to watch when she was young. And you know, the cat can pull like a million things out of his hat, right? So I'm picturing you pulling all these things. What was the thing you mentioned again with the with the wheel? And, And where do you get that? And what is that? Tell us that again. Uh, you, know, you said it has it, a two-sided I just,
1: thing. It's just a, a pair of, uh, I think they're called core wheels, if I'm not mistaken. They're called mm. core wheels. And um, they honestly look like a pair of rollerblade wheels in a way that are attached by a handle or two wheels on either side attached by handles. Um, they look like dumbbells, except the ends are wheels instead of the ends being weights, right? And so, um, oh. yeah, you just have a pair of them, and uh, they are sort of like they attach with bearings or whatever, and you can just roll with them. Like being able to roll a pair of dumbbells, like a pair of ten pound or five pound dumbbells, except they're they're like less than a half a pound each. So they're perfect for just multi-directional ab roll out movements, and um, they create a great challenge. That um, a lot of times the uh, the ab wheel itself, the the standard ab wheel, could be a little bit more demanding or could be a little bit harder to to work with. So when you do have uh, two wheels, you know you can keep one hand planted straight under your body and then roll out with the other hand. Right, and so then all of a sudden you have a little bit of a way to bridge the gap to make something a little bit easier for you when you do a rollout. You know, um, so yeah, no, I really like that that tool. It's a really good buy. They're not too expensive. Core wheels. I'm not too sure of a website or anything like that. I, I didn't think I'd be plugging them right now. Um, but yeah, they weren't they weren't expensive. They're probably like twenty or thirty dollars as well. So it's pretty good.
0: It sounds cool. Lee, you're awesome. And you have such great information. I'm so thrilled that you came on today because I think the more we can learn, we can work out, we can be stronger, we can look better and feel better. It's so important. You know, do you have any last thoughts about gender differences between men and women when it comes to strength training?
1: Um I would tell women to not be afraid of hypertrophy training either. That would be the the number one thing that I'd have to say is um, women shouldn't be afraid of training for added muscle or training to build muscle. Because again, it's not um, an unsafe way to train. It's probably one of the safest methods of weight training, if you ask me. Um, And it's still going to... like Number two is that mass gains and building mass as a woman, it's not physiologically... studies have shown that it's not quite as fast a process for a woman to build muscle and develop themselves as as a man does. And so um, for that reason, it's even more important that a woman focuses on actually building a little bit of muscle because it's going to help correct their frames, it's going to help uh, improve posture, and it's going to help just sustain uh, healthy joints as well and uh, avoid injury in the process. So it's a really, really good thing to look look into and uh, to consider doing.
0: Well, Lee, this has been fantastic. Tell us all the ways we can learn more about you and all the great work you're doing.
1: Um, well, I have a website, Training.com, and um, I also uh, can be found on Facebook. Um, the Facebook handle is Coach Lee Voice, and uh, Twitter has also the same handle, Coach Lee Voice. So uh, I'm usually on those three forms of social media, and so all the articles that I write, which I'm published very, very often, um, they are always funneled to all three of those different places, Most uh, usually the, the first one that it gets loaded up onto is Facebook and then Twitter, and then it'll come up onto my website as well. And uh, on my website is also an active blog where I usually t- cover different counterintuitive topics um, about things that I see in the industry that might not be directly training-related but sort of affect fitness culture as a whole and the sociocultural perspectives of fitness. So it's a really good way of looking at things from a uh, different perspective and outside the box and so on, and it's uh, pretty editorial commentaries.
0: Well, Lee, I definitely want to have you back. There's so much to talk about. I want to thank everybody so so much for listening and if you're looking for expert health and fitness tips you can trust plus inspirational stories of mental and physical transformation what's good is your new favorite spot online on the road to becoming your best self swing by what's good by v.com again what's good by v.com for some helpful pointers you can also check us out at talk fitness today at talk fitness number two day on twitter we're also on instagram this has been so much fun I look forward to getting stronger every day here on talk fitness today stay well Well.